Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I'm going to do it too. I'm not saying I'm not. I love cocaine. What? What are we talking about? <laughs> Hi, folks, and welcome to Zompocalypse Now. <laughs> we do not recommend you do drugs at home. I do. Fuck it. Wait a it's minute. The, it's Close the apocalypse. Door. Do what you want. Drugs are bad, kids. Drugs are bad. <laughs> drugs uh, are bad. I'm a little on drugs. Violence is also not the answer. What? <laughs> Jesus. What have I been learning during the qu- during the quarantine? All the wrong things, Curtis. All the wrong things. <laughs> can't do drugs. Can't be violent. <laughs> so, since you can't do drugs, um, you should be watching Lovecraft Country. Everybody should be watching Lovecraft Country. That just rocks. Top down from its writing to performance to production design to just the themes it discusses. Everything about this show is really, really cool. I'm not going to kiss its ass that hard. I think it's got some I think it's got some writing and dialogue tweaks that it could make. I think that those pop up a lot more in episode four, although I enjoyed episode four a lot. Um, when we get to episode four, I have some things to discuss. I likely won't be able to bring up in a specific example for either of these episodes. So I guess it doesn't really matter that much to me. <laughs> well, I do have, uh, the, the, there's at least, I don't know, three or four moments in episode four where I was just like, hang on. But <laughs> one thing this show does really well is that it flips from genre to genre between episodes. The first two episodes are pretty much of a kind, all things considered. Episode three moves to basically being a haunted house story. Yeah. Episode four is Indiana Jones meets National was it National Treasure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it veers into Well it was like National Treasure meets National Treasure Two <laughs> Book of Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> And then it then it veers into another completely different territory by the end and raises some interesting questions. But we'll get to that eventually. I Don't love this think- show and its flavor. So we're going to start off talking about episode two called Whitey's on the Moon. And one of the mm. things that we, this, this show does pretty much every episode is it includes a bit of spoken word dialogue over the opening bits of the show. And these are usually historical uh, recordings of... Um, whether it's that are relevant to the time involving, you know, black speakers talking about the, the world that they're living in at that time. And there's something really, really powerful about the way this show integrates what was going on culturally. Not in the, we've talked about this before, how the real life racism that is going, that is during the Jim Crow era is, you know, this whole show rests on that. Right. Real the the human horror of this show is stuff that actually did happen. It's not exaggerated. It's not made up. This is stuff that happened to real people on a regular basis. And one thing that is also interesting is we tend to think about racism 
because of how, how things broke down with the Civil War, we tend to think of racism as very much a Southern thing. But it wasn't. It was everywhere in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And this show is set in the North. Right. It's set in, set in the North. Chicago and, yeah. And racism was baked in into huge chunks of the country. So there's the, the, the way that this show actually deals with real-life history. Um, all this supernatural thing that's happening here is happening against a backdrop of things that were real. And so there's, I think that's one thing that this, this show does extremely well is drive home that sense of this is the way the world was. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, as we see, we've seen all summer long, it hasn't still gone away. Is. Yeah, still is. As we last left our heroes. <laughs> such a, such a happy uh, transition. Um, they have arrived at the Gothic mansion. And when Uncle George wakes up, he is in a room full of books, like just a huge library of books. And then when Letty wakes up, she has a, a closet full of perfectly tailored clothes. And so they're both having a great time. And then it, then it goes over to Atticus... Uh, he is standing still in his bloody t-shirt, staring out the window at the woods. Like, he has not slept, he has not moved. <laughs> and when, uh, when he comes out of the, when, when the butler dude comes to get him, uh, come to get everybody for breakfast, they're all like, hey, what's, what's going on with you? And he's like, monsters in the woods, you ran over one with the car, like, do you remember any of this? And they're like, and for some reason she's wearing horse riding pants oh but she looks good in them well everybody's ass looks good in the, in those things but I, i'm like she what but keep going she took advantage of the fact that she had a closet full of clothes that fit her perfectly yeah and she went a little nuts now this of course becomes a thing when the question is raised about why they don't remember things. And why do you think you're in a room, you wake up in a room full of all the books you love and you wake up, wake up in a room full of clothes that fit you perfectly. Doesn't that seem a little, Oh, I don't know. Odd. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, but that like, doesn't that borrow from a a fairy tale of some kind? I I couldn't tell you. There's, I don't, yeah, I can't remember. It's like where you, you know, the thing you want is the thing. Maybe it, I think it was like the mirror of Erised in Harry, Harry Potter is what I'm. The thing you want, that's what you see. And, you know, she likes horse riding pants. Cool. <laughs> oh, let's just say she looked great in her horse riding pants. And the costumes in this show in general are balls out awesome. I love yeah. them. Oh, too good. Everything oh, no, everybody looks so good. Oh, no kidding. But we also get we have we had a brief glimpse of William, who's the the butler guy, in the at the end of the first episode. Here, is he not just one of the most disturbing individuals with that oh so slight smile that says, "I know something you don't know," and it's probably got teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's just he's so pleasant. It's really disturbing, right? Yeah, you're right. But, you know, and I had to look up who he was. He was on he was on that Viking show for a really long time. Okay, sure. Um, anyway, 
The so Aryan it, guy? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so they, it, it becomes very clear to Atticus that Letty and George have had their memories uh, erased in some way. And so he's like totally freaked out because they can't remember things that happened. But they are willing to believe him when they when he says like, hey, weird shit is happening here because they are smart people and they realize that it's not very often that you show up and you wake up in a room full of your favorite books or clothes that fit you perfectly. And with white people that are being super duper nice to you. Yeah, and that's something else is that they're suddenly they're in this environment where they are just being treated extremely well by people who generally don't do that in their experience. And this, you know, this guy, this very white, very Aryan, very creepy smile guy who of course gives him the tour of the house and talks about the history, which is also creepy uh, because this is a reconstruction. This house is a reconstruction of the original house, which burned down. And the way he says it burned down, he says it almost like he was the one who lit the fire. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't him. It was a runaway slave who, Oh, just so happens to have been Atticus's mother's ancestor. Right. Titus Braithwaite is the name of the ancestor. Apparently, you know, this is, this is the ancestor that Atticus is descended from. And of course he's the last of this bloodline, which is what they're, they're building up to here. Well, he's not the last, the last, the guy who lives there and his daughter are Titus Braithwaite's descendants as well. Uh, we, we haven't gotten to the wizards thing yet. So the guy who lives there and the, and the daughter are both, Braithwaite's as well. Yes, the daughter is the, she's the witch. She's Christina, the blonde we saw in the previous episode. She of the amazing silver car. And Rolls Royce uh, Phantom that magically has a force field. I don't, I'm not, yeah. yeah. She's clearly going to be a dangerous influence on everyone involved. (laughs) Hey, I'm very excited to see where they go with her character because she very much brings all of the I'm I'm the villain because I have been forced to be the villain. I'm the okay. Uh, you you obviously need a villain, so I am going to uh, become that villain for you. Well, we quickly find out um, there's a dynamic going on with her father. Samuel Braithwaite is the current head of the Sons of Adam, right? And the Sons of Adam is this occult organization which is pretty much your standard demonic cult with a Lovecraftian twist, right? So what's interesting here is that Lovecraft's cults tended to be, in Lovecraft's mind, mostly the others. So it was foreigners, right? They were the cult members. You had some who who were white people, but mostly it was folks who weren't white. Right. And it was part of Lovecraft's baked in racism. Here it's flipped. It's very much a white male dominated cult. And so Christina is on the outside. Right. Even though she's a powerful witch and in all right, she should be the heir. She was born a girl. And so she can't even participate. Right. And this is an, this is a flip from the, the book because in the book, Christina is Caleb. Uh, it is okay. a male character. And one of the things they've done really well here is they've given another layer to the right. villain because while Caleb 
in the book is a lot more, I want power of my own because power and evil. Right. Uh, here, it's, there's more to it. It's, I'm on the outside looking in. They don't think I'm good enough because I'm a woman. Right, and, exactly what I said. Oh, you want a villain. Yeah. I guess I'll be your villain. Like, yeah. Well, you, I mean, being, it's hard to be a villain if you don't have power because basically then you're just like, just kind of mean to people, I guess. <laughs> really all you got. Well, she does have power, though. I mean, she is like... Yeah, she, yeah, that makes her a good villain, I think. She's already a powerful person, but she's also someone who is... There's another layer of discrimination happening here. Yeah. And it's her being discriminated just because she's a woman. When we meet her father, it's a weird scene. He's having elective surgery, and it's weird. Yeah, are they pulling out it's a bit disturbing. of his... disturbing. bit of his organ meats. What are they yeah, doing? They're, yeah, they're taking out a piece of a of an organ. Yeah, they're taking out a piece of his liver. It actually gets worked into the meal. It's a ritual thing where the... Yeah, he's like, taste of my body. The cult members consume a a bit of him, yeah. So it's really just... (laughs) And and Dad, who goes, wait, who notices that? He goes, don't eat that. Didn't the Atticus say that to to his dad or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah, uh, Don't eat that, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We see this weird thing happening here between these characters. So... We've got the real, you know, just the arrogance of Samuel. I mean, he's very much a, he needs Atticus right, for this. But he doesn't want Atticus there. He looks at Atticus like every other white man looks at Atticus. He looks at him as if he's just a tool to be used. Christina comes across a lot more sympathetic. In fact, she actually releases the, the memory block uh, so that the others can actually remember what happened. <laughs> that, that's a really good scene, too. <laughs> There's yeah. some screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah, you know, all of a sudden they're, <laughs> then, then they come running down with their suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really, really funny. Um, but I don't know, like I said, I don't, I think that, that Christina is just this, she's such a chaotic like, she's a chaotic neutral in my mind right now. I don't think she's been proved to be any kind of villain just yet. Because I think that her motivations are still really not clear. They are to her. But, but we, not to us. Not right. to us. So. Well, and certainly not to, certainly not to Atticus and, and Letty and anybody else. I mean, okay. they're, they are very much in the dark about what's going on around them. Right. So they're all tested. Letty and George and Atticus end up going back to their rooms, and but then end up having like a hallucination where they are tested by the house. And that's a really weird scene because George finds the magical library. And when he's looking around the library, his wife shows up. And he's like, oh, this is not real. And she's like, so dance with me anyway. And, you know, they dance and talk, and it's actually kind of sweet. And then Letty... The whole time I'm singing, let's get it on. (laughs) Because, yeah. Because, yeah. And so then, but then Letty has this fantasy where, where Atticus comes to her room, 
and uh, they start like getting into it. But then there's a snake in his pants. Oh, snake in the pants. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, the snake in the pants. Hmm. Not the greatest shot I've ever seen on a show. Right. It was very, it was a little, you know. On the nose. Right. And not ah. only that, but um, but the CGI was kind of bad. And yeah, well. But then Atticus is having his own fantasy about oh, having to kill a woman at the in the Korean War. Who kicks the shit out of him for a good five minutes. Yeah. That was fun. I liked watching that. That was fun. Because I didn't know what the, I didn't know what he was gonna do if he was gonna you know, but he, he finishes he finishes the job and it just it tears him apart. Well and, and it leads more into the we've already had in last episode indications that he has unfinished business uh, left behind in Korea. And it involves a woman. And so the question is, is, is that, is this a nightmare experience of that particular woman? I mean, is this the mm-hmm. woman? It seems to lean that way. But again, we don't have a whole, enough information yet about what is involved there. It's a re- all three of these together end up being pretty disturbing taken as a whole because they're all going through very, very different I don't know if temptations are the right word because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a broader thing than that, but it's all traumatic in one way or another for them it becomes one more way where they're this, this experience that they're going through is just one long nightmare after another. Right. Because they go down to the town to try and figure out some things. <laughs> and for all the fact they're treated basically, you know, super great up at the house, sort of, I mean, they're kind of prisoners yeah. and they know this. Then they um, meet Hagrid. <laughs> but then they get down to the town. Yeah, and, and really super racist lady with dogs. Who You look at the dogs and go, are those really dogs? Because <laughs> I'm not sure those are dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a level of trust we have with the show now. Yeah. Am I looking at what I'm supposed to be seeing? <laughs> right. She drops some hints that basically, you know, she knows an awful lot about the things in the woods. Right. And and does not treat them well, and they're they're essentially trapped because they try to drive away, and their their car gets destroyed. They're still looking for Atticus's Atticus's father. You know, they're convinced he's there. How do you build someone's trust if you're like if if it's if it's 1960 whatever, and you're a white guy and you're trying to make some black people welcome in this house? How in the hell are they going to trust you? Because they're not used to that, those guys. Right. I think that that, I mean, that would be a really funny thing to explore if this were a comedy show, like even even just a slightly bit lighter show. But I'd never for one, even one second. Like if believed, Joss Whedon gave it a once yeah, over. Yeah. I never for even a second believed anyone in this house had good intentions for our main guys, for our guys. Nope. Oh, oh no. never even for a second. So I couldn't even suspend. You wouldn't like. It would have been really hard for me to even be like, "Oh yeah, they said we're we're, we're good. We're fun. We're you these know. people. These people seem really nice. I'm, yeah, I sure can't wait to see how they have dinner. Right. <laughs> your your father was here, but he'll be back though. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. I promise. 
and then he, and then that dude's like like I don't shoot. I don't even know what they told me. So you know, I told <laughs> me. So I guess you know whatever. Yeah, and you just don't you just don't believe William when he says that. I mean, he's he's so sincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he clear he clearly wants you to believe him, but there's just no 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 way. No. Allow me to show you to the veranda. Well, right. and they do they do. His father does. Father kind of a gets out. Yeah, they go to rescue him from the place where they know he's being held. And when they get down there, he's already broken out. And so they go and they find What are you doing here? We're rescuing you. I didn't need to be rescued. I'm rescuing myself. They have to go have this weird dinner uh, with these crazy people. These are this wizard cult, this warlock cult. (laughs) And that's when they, they like... Uh, Atticus and George like bust out that they know that he's supposed to be some like like since he's the he's the heir he has special he's Grand Poobah and, yeah he's Grand Poobah the whole shindig and he's he's more of an heir than Samuel is because he's got an older ancestor a more close ancestor yes and so to the main dude so he kicks all those dudes out but it turns out that William or is William? Is it William? No, Samuel. Uh, his whole deal is that he needs Atticus for this this ritual, and he's going to like sacrifice him so he can open a gateway to the Garden of Eden. Right. The idea being that he will be able to live forever. This is this is. We start to get a little bit of the mythology of this show going on. The sons of Adam, in the original language that was spoken in the Garden of Eden. And, of course, in, during that period of time, there was no death. So the idea, the sons of Adam believe that if you can speak the language of Adam, then you can basically, through the power of magic and sorcery and all these things, they can do things like live forever. And this is right. Samuel's plan. And they've basically spent their whole lives trying to decir- decipher this book, and they've only done one page. Well, and of course, the previous attempt to do what Samuel is doing now is what really resulted in the death of a significant chunk of the cult at one point, including the ancestor who built the house. The sole survivor of that evening was Atticus's uh, great ancestor. Mm-hmm. So there's... I think just his grandmother. I, thought, I don't think she's that far back. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. It has not gone well before, but Samuel is pretty sure that he's got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, I toast have it. And now <laughs> that I have an ancestor, uh, uh, somebody who's closer to the ancestral line than I am, we can definitely, I can definitely get there. To make things a little more persuasive, he shoots and kills Letty. Letty. And uh, shoots bring- George in the stomach. And brings Letty back from the dead. Well, first he shoots George in the stomach. And then he says, I will bring your, if you participate in this, I will bring your uncle, I will heal your uncle. And that's when he brings her back to show that he can. This is a fairly traumatic experience all the way around. Mm. But he's never died before. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming back from the dead is never an easy thing. And of course, George has got a, you know, hole in him now. Right. So there's no question that Atticus is definitely put in the position where he has to do what they say. I mean, he's got to try and save uh, his uncle. Right. So the ritual starts and it basically is exactly what you would think it is. 
Atticus is tied up on this altar and they're, they're chanting, everyone's chanting. And, and then the, this magical mist starts growing out of Atticus and and opening a portal and, and everything's like, looks like it's going really well for Samuel. Uh, But then Atticus gets a vision of his ancestor, the, the slave girl, and she's full on pregnant and she's standing in the doorway of this portal that changes somehow the spell him seeing her uh, infuses him with some power. And so he is able to take over the spell. He was also, he was also given a ring by Christina, which is a, another variable that's thrown into the mix there. Mm. He's not supposed to have that. Right. And so between the two, Samuel has less control over this spell than he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And magically, the door to to Letty and George's uh, cell gets opened, and so they go. They run their, their cell, their beautifully appointed Victorian style bedroom. Uh, the spell starts going wrong upstairs. I loved the the image of Atticus running after his ancestor. And in her version of the world, there's a fire behind her. And in his version of the world, just the house is collapsing. There's this blowback where all the members of the cult are basically turned to... Stone. Stone, or there's almost this, like, lot-looking back pillar Mm -hmm. of salt kind of thing happening here, where they just, you know, they're petrified, and then they just come apart. Finally, (laughs) Christina... Nowhere Not, to be found. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> she's, you know, she, you, and you quickly she's realize she's she done this. ran away. Yeah, she, she probably wasn't in the house for the time they went upstairs. I mean, she's behind this. She has manipulated this to basically get her father and the other cult members out of the way. And you know she's not doing this for, like, purely altruistic reasons. Well, you don't know. I have, I don't know. I'm feeling very trustworthy of this blonde white lady. Because what has a blonde white lady ever done to black people? That's a bold choice, Cotton. We'll see how it works out for him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that, I'm sure that it's everything's going to be fine. Oh, I'm I'm sure. She's clearly, clearly someone that we can put our, we can rely on. Put our entire trust in, in her, Christina. I don't understand why anyone wants to live forever. Neither do I. Like, everything I've ever seen about people who like living forever has been awful. Yeah, it's just the prospect of just me living for, let's say, 200 more years, let alone thousands. No. But, of course, here's the thing, though. We're not rich people in the 1950s who think they who they they think you know they have everything they think everything is about them and if they think that if they live forever it'll still be that way and of course they're sorcerers we're not wired to be megalomaniacs guys i mean i know that we try i know that we've tried to be megalomaniacs in the past we just have never been able to pull it off you know i try to put myself in other people's shoes you know yeah this particular scenario, I just... Does not appeal. I, I understand that there's no wisdom to be seen in it, so I'm not looking for that. I'm, I'm looking for the, like, kind of the narcissistic, the attraction. The, right. The, the what's in it for me. The 
There is a YouTube channel that I follow. They do a thing called Trope Talk. Uh, and hopefully, I don't know why I cannot find their their YouTube page. Well, don't it's I don't care. So what do they? And do? they talk about different tropes of literature. And one of the tropes that they talked about most re- very recently was immortality, and the idea that there's only like three or four kinds of immortal characters: young immortals who still think it's cool, middle aged immortals who are like really depressed because it's finally hit them what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, reclusive immortals who are, you know, the they've lived for thousands of years and they just don't want to deal with life anymore. And then at the ultimate level of immortal is the is the uh, sage immortal who has gone past all of that. And it just seems like too much. Like, why? why who's worth the two? Who has the time? Like, <laughs> even if you're gonna live forever. <laughs> What kind of person can you possibly become in, say, 6,000 years? You're going to annoy every single person that you encounter by your fucking smug, I know everything for the last several thousand years. Well, when I was in Mesopotamia. (laughs) One of the characters from Douglas Adams is an immortal who spends the first hundred years laughing at other people's funerals. And then after a while, he gets colossally bored. And so he decides he's going to travel around the universe insulting every living being. Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's a point where he shows up and he insults Arthur Dent. Part of the problem with the immortality thing is that it asks you to accept that you're either going to never change. You know, like you're going to be locked into this is, you know, all the cool things now. Yeah. You know, all none of that is ever going to go away. And if you've ever lived, I don't know, longer than maybe a year of your own life, which most of us have, I'm pretty sure, you know that you're a different person at the end of that year than than you start off. It's just how we change. And the idea that you're actually going to be the same person five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we all change over time for good and for ill. And the more interesting characters in the immortal characters in fiction have a tendency to either be extremely good your doctor who character you know yeah. the, the the doctor from doctor who, or just monsters right and it's really really easy to see somebody living so long they stop being human because they can't relate to anybody anymore yeah. hey, you can spend your whole life losing the things that you love yeah exactly to time so somebody like samuel who's already, you know, he doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about his daughter. He thinks that she's, you know, she's an unfortunate... Yeah. Unfortunately, she's a girl, you know? And he doesn't care. He he certainly doesn't care about Atticus. He doesn't care about the cult. He cares about power for himself. He's awful now. Right. He's not going to get better. (laughs) Oh, no. He's not, you know, a thousand years from now, he's not going to be, you know, doing his best to make sure that humanity is, is... doing grand one day he'll be walking down a dirt path and he'll see a flower and then he'll realize the error of his ways no he'll pluck that flower and the flower will die in its hands as a symbol of his horribleness (laughs) yeah that sounds about right it was really just his magical bad breath that killed the flower (laughs) as it has everything else in his life well, actually, I love backstories, you guys. Love them. 
<laughs> he doesn't get. He doesn't get to do that though because he's, he's been... turned to stone and then crashed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray! Unfortunately, <laughs> since he was going to bring, he was, he was to that, save yeah. George. Um, they get to the car and find Atticus's dad and George in it, and George has died. Yes. By the way, in the book, George lives to the end. Well, I I definitely feel like we're not done with George because of C, of episode three. I feel I feel the same way for that very reason. So anyway, they all escape. They go back to Chicago, and uh, everything is terrible because George is dead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it occurs to me there was a big thing that we missed. The Jefferson's theme song? Oh, we did. <laughs> yes. They are killing it with the soundtrack on this, but when they threw the Jeffersons in the mix, I was like, mm, you guys. So yeah. the soundtrack on this show is, cra- is crazy good. Mm-hmm. I, I love the soundtrack on this show. Um, the fact that you know the, the, the theme song, the, the credit music at the end is Sinnerman. Uh, which is just a killer song as it is, but it's perfect for this show. You know, you're waking up in opulence. You're waking up in, you know, these are, these are folks who are not used to being surrounded by wealth and power. And so waking up in these places with all the books you want and all the clothes you could eat. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. This is great. And I think it's, it's, it's a recognizable thing that suddenly if you're, you're the average viewer you want to know how these people feel that's a that's an audio cue that generations know so i mean you you can be you can be you know 20 years old and get that get that reference right um so i think it's really it's a really powerful little moment and funny and it's funny definitely it's interesting where the humor of this show often falls yeah um Beans and don't I, fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we already, we've had some major divisions from the book. We've had Caleb becoming Christina, which I think improves the character. Mm-hmm. Makes, makes Christina a lot more interesting than Caleb was. George is dead. He's still alive in the book. So yeah, there's... What, bo- what book is this again? This is Lovecraft. A, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. It's called the book is called Lovecraft. Yeah, and and it's not written by H.P. Lovecraft. No, it's written by um, a guy named Matt Ruff, and there are what is it? I like it when they treat books like kind of a bothersome inconvenience when they're adapting them. Well, there's eight segments, so there's ten episodes of this show. There's eight parts of the book, so two episode the first two episodes are the first part of the book, the first, essentially the first chapter, which is called Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The second part is called Dreams of the Witch House, which is a name of a Lovecraft story. And that's the part that episode three is based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abdullah's book, which is the episode four, there's a lot that they're, you know, they're keeping a lot, but they're also adapting things in very different ways, which is fine. I mean, I'm perfectly on board with what they're doing. It means, you know, we get more of certain of these characters that are, I mean, come on more journey Smollett. I am on board with. Yeah. Mm. I am completely on board with having more of her around. So, um, 
but yeah, so we'll, we can definitely get, we'll get into this a lot more obviously as we progress. We would love to talk about episode three, but we try to keep these shows relatively in an hour esque territory, a little mm-hmm. bit shorter, a little bit longer. I think, I think Dustin and I have at one point had like a 30 minute episode um, and it was very much not the standard. Um, right. But, so we can easily dive into this. The third episode is going to be a lot more. The I think there's, we're going to dig into it a lot more. But there's one of the things that this episode really does is it gives you a sense of where what the stakes are, at least for for Atticus. There's there's this you know the cosmic level of this opening doors to the Garden of Eden. I mean, this is this is where we're playing here. This is the field yeah. we're playing on. This is what the bad guys are doing. We're on a bit of a professional landscape as yeah, far as is, evildoers. Yeah. <laughs> These are not your amateur bad guys here. Not These, quite not quite building a robot that molests children <laughs> evil. <laughs> but it's almost Molestatron three thousand. It's it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, no, it's a uh, so we we get it. We're getting a sense of the scale, and we're also playing in some of these Lovecraftian tropes, which is you know the cults, the sins of the father, which is a recurring theme mm-hmm. in Lovecraft. It's your ancestors. Secret lore, and yeah, well, yeah, but in Lovecraft, a lot of the things that happens to you are because of your ancestors. This is a thing that happens all the time. Your mm. ancestor was a sea captain who went off and found an idol which corrupted the town, and now you're all fish people. Um, you're a fish. You're a fish. You know the evil. Well, it's the evil that men do that goes down through the generations. This is a recurring thing for Lovecraft. But one of the things that it also pops up in the in the more racist aspect of his writings is how much that's usually the corrupt gene pool of the foreigner right mm-hmm. um or the the other races okay it's just, this is the their their pagan traditions or all these things that, that, that recurring themes in lovecraft your great great grandmother happened to be from across the street pretty much you're cursed forever yeah exactly and and so the fact that we end up here with not only you are your own grandpa. <laughs> There's a song in there somewhere. But the fact that it's actually Atticus's ancestor who saves him, it's his bloodline is his salvation versus mm-hmm. the Lovecraftian uh, way of looking at it. It's not Samuel's. Samuel's yeah. is done in by his ancestral bloodline. So there's a nice you know, working with the Lovecraftian story in here, but also not, you know, dealing with it in a different way. So Um, I just this week finished reading a book by uh, one of my favorite authors, N.K. Jensen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's called the city we became. Yeah. And it, the story, it is about like at a certain point uh, in the development of a city, it stops really being a bunch of, different entities and essentially becomes its own creature Mm -hmm. and to protect it uh, as it births itself and becomes a a creature. This each city has its own avatar and that avatar is a person who best embodies the ideas of the city Mm -hmm. and the story city we became is about when New York is birthed becomes its own creature. And it, instead of, uh, 
instead of having one avatar, it ends up with six avatars. And so all of these people are like trying to discover each other and like find out what they're supposed to be doing and stuff. But it kind of comes out in the story that, that certain people are able to see into this weird city space, Mm -hmm. this weird city world. Lovecraft was one of these people who could see city space. So he interpreted all of that into crazy, you know, crazy stuff because he was living in New York and could see into city space. And he was such a racist asshole that he just like messed it all up. (laughs) That sounds about right. So it was just really interesting that we started watching Lovecraft Country and the book that I was reading had another kind of Lovecraftian influence. As someone who recently took up uh, the vocation of uh, reading audiobooks, we should probably do more literary uh, kind of topics like, you know, even if it's not even classic novels, but I can tell you that most people who write, who are writing right now, especially in the, in the sci-fi fantasy horror genre should not be. Oh, MK Jemison is definitely not one of those people. She's amazing. Well, we can definitely talk about some of the fantastic writers out there. Um, I actually have not explored any more of what Matt, Matt Ruff has written. He's the author of Lovecraft Country, but uh, he does have several other books. I'll have to look into that and see if there's anything worth picking up uh, as we get move through the TV show. And we'll talk more about the connections between the book and the TV show as things go on. Um, and we will get into more of these episodes, obviously, because this show, I'm enjoying the show. I really oh, am. Oh, me too. I'd rather think it's wonderful. And the unfortunate thing, it's only 10 episodes long. Um, it's like, we're going to get to the end. Good. And you're like, good. I, I respect that so much that, you know, because that's the way, that's the way the British do it. They have a story, mm-hmm. they tell the story and they get out. Yeah, we've watched a couple of Hang on just because it's making them money. Well, I mean, they could also do, you know, like uh, like the Terror did and make it an anthology. You they know. could. They could. Although I, I personally think that they should definitely do what they did with Watchmen, which is the, the miniseries, because the creator of the show said, I have no intention of doing any more uh, episodes of it. I told the story I wanted to tell, and we're done. And I think that it works, the, the show works for a spiritual successor to Alan Moore's graphic novel series a lot better that way than if they had tried to keep going. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's, you know, if we just get the story of Atticus and Letty and and the people around them, their families, through these 10 episodes, I'll be happy with it. Um, But at the same time, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, you're going to want more, even though you know you shouldn't get it. Like heroin. Like, like, and we're back to cocaine. Do (laughs) cocaine and try to enjoy your life. Folks, drugs, we cannot, we do not, Zompocalypse Now does not recommend the use of drugs. Not all drugs. Not all drugs. And not an excess. Technically, I'm a guest, so free speech. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. All right. And on that note... We will do this again next week. We will come back to Lovecraft Country. There will be a lot more to talk about as this, as this show progresses. And, of course, coming up, we have the return of all the Walking Dead things. 
Oh, God. So many Walking Dead things coming back. Um, and we will get into that as well. Folks, if you have enjoyed this show, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. If you have your own comments about Lovecraft Country or any of the other stuff that we've talked about or any film or TV that you think we should be watching and would love to hear us talk about, we'd love to hear that as well. So let us know. You can try and find us in the wild, actually. If you live in certain parts of the country, that might be really super easy. Yeah, if you're in western Kansas. You know what? I was going to do this. I was going to do this. I was going to say, okay, Kansas City friends or just any of my Facebook friends, right? If you are listening to me say this right now and you direct message me with, uh, let's see, a word. What's a good word? Like a Haberdashery. Haberdashery? Yes. If you DM that to me, I will send you $15 on PayPal. First one to do it. Because I want to see if, if, if sharing on Facebook does anything. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been bribed here first. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am bribing. I'm bribing my dickhead friends who won't listen to my podcast. <laughs> I'm so yeah. mad about it. Uh, Anne Marie can do it. Anne Marie, you can do it. You can claim this money, Anne Marie. I know you can. I would just like to Anne Marie doesn't live in Kansas. Well, she is my friend. Never mind. I'm not going to do that. Never mind. If you've already sent me the code haberdashery, I rescind the offer and thank you anyway. Because I send us haberdashery anyway. <laughs> you want to know? I really want to know if anybody listens to this show. I I think the people three should people is who listen. Thing. I love this show. I love listening to this show. I think we're. I listened to the Island of Doctor Moreau episode yesterday when I was cleaning. <laughs> and I never listen to this show. I barely listen when I'm reporting it. Well, I, well, I played it for my mom on the uh, Taco Bell is is eliminating some of its menu. So I went to I drove 50 miles with my mom uh, to get a Mexican pizza. And on the way back, I played some of our podcast for her, and she really enjoyed it. And she had no idea I was doing it, that I was in it. She had no idea when I was speaking that she was listening to me. She's like, why did we listen to this? And I was like, well, it's it's uh, these. I do this with my friends. She goes, you do this? And I go, yeah, I'm speaking right now on the program if you are into that. <laughs> That's you? It's like, mm, yeah. So how much money are we making off of this? Oh, are we being are we in the... pay your salary yet, Tim? Yes. You do the lion's share of the work, so I figure you can keep salary. There's no money. We have no advertisers. You know, technically, Curtis, you and I are talent, so we should be paid more. Well, we should be paid a a ridiculous amount. But Tim should also, Tim's also talent. He's talent and technical, so he gets talent money and technical money um i tell you what guys you get us some if we can get some advertisers then we'll talk about about money Um, (laughs) i bet i could get feedlot magazine to advertise with us they have their offices here in dighton i could go that's feedlot magazine for all your feedlot needs you wondering what's going on i am not i can tell you i am not proud i will take feedlot money my family my family is is farmers I, I feedlots are important. Feedlots are important. Uh, the feedlot magazine apparently keeps keeps it all together. There you go. 
I love our show. <laughs> I don't really listen to it because like I was there. Like here we are, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So I don't listen to it per se. But every once I in do. a while I will. We appreciate you listening. It's always great to have folks listening to the show. And we Haberdashery. That- <laughs> Cocaine. And we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Zompocalypse. Now, as always, thank you for listening. Dustin, thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Curtis, thank thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. We should put that on a coffee cup. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. (laughs) I don't think we're ready for merch. (laughs) No, no, we are not. Okay. (laughs) And again, folks, thank you so much for listening. We'll do this again in a week with our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>